Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, welcome to the A-Game Podcast today. This is another Monday as we are breaking through January. We have a guest today, Brendan Wiersma. I wanted to have him on. I was on his podcast. You guys should check it out. It is the Get Wealth Podcast. Uh, you can find it on Instagram. Check the show notes for all the ways to find him and find his podcast. But he's interesting because he's really going after it at a young age. He's a, a pilot as well, but he's new. And I really thought it was uh, it was time that I we you, know, you get all these people on that are doing six figures a month, seven figures a month, they're multi-multi-millionaires, they're crushing real estate. A lot of people that are listening to this are looking to get in or starting out. So I really thought it was time to get a fresh perspective of somebody that's really within their first 12 months, not doing ridiculous deals, but doing money that's life-changing deals there. So, you know, the guy's working a, a normal job and he's out there and he's getting real estate under his belt. And if you watch his Instagram, it's awesome. He's living his best life. He's got a supportive girlfriend who is now his fiance. So congratulations on that. He's interviewing multimillionaires, the stuff he did, like going out and knocking on people's doors and just traveling the world. I, I think it's awesome. I think he's really inspirational. I think he's going to be a huge name in real estate. He's probably going to wind up with a very successful podcast, probably a coaching program. He's going to be one of those guys that you look back and you can see his whole journey from the day he started and the things he did because he pulls the trigger on his actions. So we jump into some things that uh, I think people benefit from, whether you're starting out, just foundational refreshers, mindset stuff. He tells some fun, interesting stories. He'll give you some new ideas and get you some confidence in the things that you're doing. And he's just a very nice young guy who's out there and just kicking butt. And uh, I'm excited for him. It's really nice to have him on. So if you have not gotten your first deal or if you're in your first year or two, your scaling phase, this is going to be a great podcast for you as we talk about the list you should pull, the marketing you should be doing, some of the problems with cold calling, some of the things that didn't work, some of the things that are working. So definitely listen to the podcast, check him out. Give him a follow. All his information is in the show notes. And I appreciate him coming on. And I appreciate, of course, him having me on his podcast. So thank you very much, Brent. Looking forward to talking to you more. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Nationwide Business Capital Group. Go to nakednake.com slash links. And under that, you will see under the affiliates to contact Marianne directly. Tell her the A-Game podcast sent you over and tell her you want some money. She will find all the ways to get you the best rates, terms, and everything you need, whether you are advanced, you are a beginner, you have credit issues, you have experience, it doesn't matter. Whatever the situation is, she will find something that fits for you and get that done. So let her know that we sent you over. While you're on that affiliates page, definitely check out Reva Global. If you're looking to get some virtual assistance, book a call under our link to talk to Bob Chance and see how virtual assistance can help you in your business, get some of your time back. And of course, Naked, Naked War Recovery CBD by William Brannon. A game will get you 20% off. So uh, last but certainly not least, this whole thing is about doing real estate together. So if you're looking to buy properties, sell properties, or partner on some level, or you don't even know what you want, you just know that you want to get involved somehow and have a discussion, please reach out to me. I've apologized a million times if I have not gotten back to you, but text me. It is the most direct way to get in touch with me now if you're looking to have a conversation. It's as easy as just texting the words real estate, and I will get back to you, and we will figure out where we fit in, how we should connect, and when we should connect on a deeper level to see how we can get together on 2022's first quarter and get some real estate under your belt. That again, I can sell you properties, I can buy properties from you, or we can party together on some level. Text me 516-540-5733, and please follow us and subscribe, all social media platforms. And if you want a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers, whether you're a real estate wholesaler, agent, or broker, go to nicknicknick.com slash links. I do want to give a congratulations to the uh, Sarah Longo fighter slash Gracie Tampa South, both gyms that I train at and I've had great experiences with. Matt Frivola, I don't know him too well, but I've always had really great interactions with him. And I know he's out there with Ray Longo and Matt Sarah and Matt Arroyo and all the guys over there. And his fight was freaking awesome this weekend. So congratulations to him and congratulations to his coaches and the team and all the guys that are out there kicking butt and taking names. I want to say uh, shout out to John, the Mattimal Benaduce, who's become a big supporter and a frequent guest of the podcast. And he's got the Mattimal Joan podcast and the Mattimal training camp that if you guys want to follow him, 
definitely check him out. Check out the past podcast with him and definitely listen to his podcast because he's a very unique guy. His jujitsu has come a long way. So definitely uh, he's been teaching jujitsu classes over law MMA and he is just a, a very rare individual. Good guy. Great jujitsu. Great story. And uh, he's out there putting out content and living his best life. So thank you for supporting us. And I want you guys to support him as well. John Mattelman-Beneducci, Matt Frivola, Sarah Longo crew, Gracie Tampa South, and the A-Game Podcast. Let's have a great week. Thank you, Brendan Wersman, for coming on. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a pilot, a fitness enthusiast. He is the founder of Wersman Capital, REI, and he is the Get Wealth Podcast host. He's young, he's hungry, he's making moves, and I'm excited to have him on my podcast today. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Brendan Wersma. Dude, thanks so much for having me on here. This is Kind of a weird shift for me because I started the Get Wealth podcast to talk to people like you, and uh, now now I'm on the other end of it. So it's just a really cool opportunity, and thanks for having me on. <laughs> Dude, thanks for coming on. I think it's awesome, you know, because you get guys on there, you start looking for dudes that are doing, you know, big deals and talking about that stuff. But a, a massive part of the audiences are people that are looking to get started or to scale up or to get their first five or ten deals, which. I think is the hardest, you know, I think those first few deals mentally, financially, just emotionally, all that stuff. That's really where most people quit. You know, I, I always go back to jujitsu and I'm like, you know, how many people come through the door as a white belt and how many are there at the end of the year? It's a very, very small number. But then once you pass that barrier, the attrition rate becomes lower and lower and lower. So I thought it was great to get somebody like you on who's having success and talk about some of those other struggles that maybe I forgot about, you know, again, like I, I use the people start jujitsu and you start to get all this mat burn from just basic jokes you're doing. And I'm like, Oh man, I forgot that I used to like go down to the shower and everything burned from just doing, but then you callous and you forget a lot of those things. So I appreciate you coming on and being open about your journey. I think there's a ton of things we could talk about. And I definitely want to touch on the podcast stuff too, because you've had some great guests on there, man, Nick Perry, Austin Rutherford, Tim Bratz, David Meltzer. So you're killing it on that side, man. But for people who are not familiar with you yet, talk a little bit about your backstory, about who you are and, and how you really found or got interested in doing real estate investing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's such a, a fun journey for me. It's it's kind of a newfound passion that I have um, and that I it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, as far as where it all started, I I think it came from I was working at a gym um, in my my town I live in and, uh, you know, clean toilets and vacuuming the floors, all that good stuff. And I would just have in my um uh, in my headphones, a podcast I'd be listening to about personal finance or whatever it was. I was always just kind of looking to see, you know, how to start or what, just kind of laying the, the foundation of the investing in general. And then very slowly, I mean, probably like over a course of a year and a half of just constantly listening to uh, YouTubers of how to handle money and how to invest and uh, what, what to go or where to go and what to do. Um, I think that kind of led me down the path of eventually reading the book, Think and Grow Rich, which just completely shifted everything for me. I was like, okay, I just got to pick something. So what am I going to do? And I was like, what if I just go to the nicest neighborhood I can find within, you know, 200 square miles and just knock on the doors of the nicest houses and ask those guys. And uh, so that's what I did. And I kind of turned it into a podcast, which is the Get Wealth podcast. And uh, I don't know if you know Paradise Valley in the Scottsdale area, crazy luxury homes there. And um, I would just take my my, my iPhone and my uh, little audio box and a little light stand thing. And I would just go to the doors and knock on them. And um, most people didn't want to talk, as you would probably imagine. But there was a few that um, that said, yeah, sure. Come on in. Like, I'd love to talk with you. And I met some, I still talk to some of those people today. The, the very first episode I did was, uh, this huge mansion that the gate happened to be open. And I, I walked in and knocked on the door and there happened to be a bachelor party going on in there, <laughs> like, like 50 people, like it was nuts. And, uh, they're like, what, what are you doing, man? Come on. Like, let's, let's talk. What, what, what do you got going on? And I kind of told them my spiel about what I'm trying to do. And so I ended up sitting down by this gigantic pool in the back of this mansion house and just kind of going around talking to each of them about, about what they did. Um, the one, the main guy I talked to, his name was Tom. He's a luxury travel sales agent and he does, he has got a freaking sweet job and plan these luxury trips in Africa to celebrities and stuff. Um, and so I, you know, I'll still shoot him a text every once in a while. And that, that experience in general was just so fun and exciting. It was nothing I would have ever had the opportunity to do if I hadn't just decided to do something crazy or start somewhere. And so then through the process of trying to talk to these crazy wealthy people, I realized, well, 
real estate is the way to do that because they all do real estate. Um, and then more of the people I started interviewing, I think the first one to bring up wholesaling to me was, um, who was that? Terry Summers. He's, I don't know if you know him, he's in Ohio. And he told me about this concept of, of wholesaling where you can get a property under contract uh, with none of your own money and then assign it to someone and take the difference. It's like, whoa, I can do that. What do you mean? I just got to call thousands of people. Like I got time, I can do that. Um, and so then through just talking to more people like you, um, you know, Tim Brotz, those guys that are at a crazy high level, it's just so motivating and it kind of refuels you every time you have one of those conversations. And so now I'm kind of starting to do it on my own and slowly but surely getting deals, you know, maybe one a month, maybe two a month. And uh, kind of led me to right now where I'm just kind of obsessed with it. I did skip over a major part of what I do. I'm actually a commercial pilot. I'm a flight instructor at Embry-Riddle right now. And um, I'm building hours doing that. And eventually the, the career path I set on when I was like 18 is to be an airline pilot. Um, and I've just kind of picked up this real estate stuff right now. <laughs> That's incredible, man. I think like we were talking a little bit before we started recording, I think part of the difference between you and the average bear is you have the same thoughts that everybody has, but you're actually doing things about them. I can't tell you how many times I thought when I was like younger in your age, and I would just look at all the nice houses and just be like, I wonder what those people do. I wonder how they made that money. I'd love to go knock on their door. And I just never had the the guts or the the commitment to go do it. And you did. And I think that that's freaking incredible, dude. So uh, doing that, what was like one of the crazier or more rude or outrageous things that happened from going up there? Was anybody like anything out of control? People yelling, you threatening to call the cops and stuff? Oh, nothing where they were, you know, actively trying to come at me or something like that. But you'll have people that are just in these crazy big homes and they're, they don't want to have anything to do with you. They'll like stare at you through the window and tell you to go away. What are you doing? I don't want you to sell me anything. I'm like, no, look, I just want to talk to you. Like literally that's all I wanted to do was talk to them. Um, most of the time it was just people that are busy probably doing whatever they do to keep that crazy fancy house and don't have time to talk to me. But every once in a while you find one that's just, you know, friendly and willing to give. Um, so there wasn't anything too crazy. I found a guy, put his hand on his gun when I was door knocking, but that wasn't for the podcast. That was just um, for finding deals. And he kind of walked out of his house with his gun on his hip there, uh, which was kind of weird. I was like, oh, all right, done. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so how many doors did you have to knock on before you got somebody to agree to talk with you about what they do and how they made their money? I would say close to 100. Which, I mean, that's a lot as far as like finding a deal in real estate, you got to lock, knock on a lot more than that, you know? Yeah. So in that perspective, it's not a lot, but hundred doors is, yeah, it's a decent amount of walking. <laughs> and I, you know, in those luxury neighborhoods, there's not as many houses because they're like three, four times the size of bigger lots and stuff. So yeah. I mean, what was your thought process going through that? Like at what point were you like, you know what, door 101, I, I've just had it. This isn't worth it because, you know, at some point, like that's something that's more, you know, there's a carrot at the end of that for the door knocking for deals because you can make money on it. Whereas this is more of like a personal journey. Yeah, I think because I don't, I don't really do that anymore. Um, I transition to just reaching out to people on Instagram or emailing them or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I think after I've, I did a few, I it's it was really fun. I never got really tired of it, but I realized that if I want to do this podcast long term, I'm going to have to figure out a real a way that's a little more sustainable, which driving down to Phoenix two hours from where I live isn't the easiest thing to do every weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always really enjoyed it. There wasn't a point where I was like, oh, I'm tired of doing this. I would still go do it. It's still fun to me. Like I would, you know, plan that on a, on a weekend to have something to do. It's, it's exciting to go around those nice neighborhoods and you, know, you never know what the opportunity is going to happen. Is you know, there's a bachelor party. I never would have guessed that. I get to record that and um, kind of hang out with those guys. So, yeah, it, it was fun. It just wasn't sustainable to actually consistently post um, my podcast. Nice man. So transitioning into your actual real estate journey now, what kind of stuff? Like, what was your first deals? Like, talk about the experience when you went from just learning about it and decided, like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, what was the strategy? What was the thought process? How did you get started? Like, talk through the nitty gritty on that. Yeah, a good question. The nitty gritty with the first deal was 
I mean, a lot of people say this, it's kind of like the proof of function. It's like a break breakthrough of, okay, this is something that actually works. I did it. There's a real estate transaction that I was a part of. Uh, the very first one. Okay. So I, how I started was I would go on the MLS and find distressed properties. I would type in the search bar, like um, distressed or fixer up or needs work or something like that and find the properties that were listed that looked like garbage. And so that means there's a property that looks, you know, like it's not, someone doesn't want it or hasn't taken care of it for whatever. So there's some pain there and they're also wanting to sell already. So I would go, I would call the agent and I would kind of just do a very brief rundown of what the rehab might be so I could get in a ballpark of what my offer was going to be with like the standard wholesale formula for, I guess, new people that are listening, 70% of ARV minus repairs, minus your wholesale fee. And that's what you tell them. And if they say no, then you do it again. Um, and if they say yes, then you get it under contract. So that was, um, that was the plan. And I would talk to, I would try to do five of those a day of just calling realtors that were listing these properties that were distressed. And I would try to make five offers a day. A lot of times it would, I would always make the offer, but I think maybe like one of those five would actually write it for them. Um, yeah. And so I did that for a while. I never ended up doing a deal that way. Uh, I got fairly close, but I realized because I was so inexperienced, it was about to be at too high of a price to get it under contract. So I ended up backing out of that one. And then eventually, let's see, I got in touch with uh, an investor in my local market. Um, I'm a part of that Azria or the RIA in Arizona. Uh, Arizona's got a really good one, but uh, Real Estate Investors Association for people that don't know what that is. Um, and I met the guy who runs the group there and just kind of started keeping in touch with him. And um, I don't know, maybe he saw something in me, maybe I just bugged him enough, but I kind of built a relationship with him and he said, Hey, why don't you call this list for me? I'm buying deals in Indiana. And so that, that was the start of how I got my first deal was I called the list for this investor in um, my local RIA group on the other side of the country. Uh, so started doing that. And the, the first one, there, so there were, there was a few that were like right up to the edge. I was, I sent them a contract. We had agreed on the price and then the wife decided that they didn't want to sell the house and it fell through. And that was like, you know, heartbreaking. I, you know, I was so close and that's all I wanted to do. It had been like four months probably of calling and that fell through. Um, so you had to kind of get a little bit calloused for one of just people yelling at you and telling you to take them off their list. And then also uh, just handling deals like that where you get close and it doesn't work out. Then eventually there was, there was a, the first deal I did was a property where it wasn't in that great of an area. Um, and the guy wanted too much. And so I kind of just said, Oh yeah, no, like the most, the most I can give you is, you know, I think it was like, um, what do we ended up doing that for? 35,000. Like it was a, you know, a low value area. And he's like, Oh no, I need this amount. So I just uh, kind of went on and kept going with, the next calls or whatever I was doing. And then like a month later, he calls me back and he's like, you know what? I'll take you up on that 35. I'm like, oh, great. I'll send you the contract right now. And so I did. That was kind of scary because, you know, the first time doing it, you don't know if it's like actually real or is this legal or whatever. Uh, so I got under contract. I ended up assigning it to that buyer that I'm, I know from my local market. And um, yeah, that was, that was the first deal. And right before that closed, Indiana has a, a really weird thing with their taxes where they pay um, the previous or the following year's taxes the year before. And so there was like this confusion at closing where he didn't think he was supposed to uh, pay the taxes and wanted us to pay it. And so he ended up walking away from the closing table and like leaving the building and getting in his car. And I had to call him and be like, Hey, look, like here, look, let me have, the an agent I know in the area kind of explain how this works because he had always just done quick claim deeds and never had to deal with any of that. It was always just, you know, really simple and there wasn't a never a title agent involved. Um, and so he eventually had ended up driving back, closing the deal. And um, all while I was taking a, a final 
for my um, one of my classes at school. So that was a little nerve wracking. But yeah, that, that was the first deal. And how I did it was just calling lists. Um, I used an app called Batch Driven. Uh, basically, you can just kind of virtually find distressed properties through the software. Now I just pull lists and call them. But um, yeah, that's kind of what I did. <laughs> so a couple of things that I think are great to unpack there, one of them being for people that are always interested in ways to get started, you found an investor, went to him and asked him what you could do. And then he said, you could cold call for him. I've had people do that for me. And when they go, hey, what can I do? I go, like, hey, what are you willing to do? Like, I'm happy to work with you on some level or, or whatever. And most of them just kind of disappear. Most of them wouldn't do four months of calling with no deal. So initially, when this guy said that that's what I want you to do is start to cold call my list, were you excited? Did it take you a minute to think about it? Like, what was your thought process on? Like, is this something I don't want to be doing? This isn't worth my time. I should be doing more. And then what was the experience like, like to keep yourself motivated to go through that for four months without giving up? Or, I mean, even cold callers, I pay quit before four months, dude. So for you to do it on that thing, I think is just an incredible testament to why you are successful. But I would love to hear because there's I mean, even yesterday, man, I was reading posts from some of the guys that have been on this podcast that are super successful posting about how they were just having a bad day or a bad week and how often they think about just quitting the business. And then the people that were commenting on that post that were just as successful, if not more, were like every day, every day, every day. So like it's it's one of those things like it's a tough business and it can, it can get you to that point. But the difference is you don't let it get the better of you. You keep clicking on where I see most people don't do that. Like the average bear goes... They see the potential in real estate. They get started. They have a month or two of no luck and they go, that's it. It's not for me where you didn't do that. So I, I, I'm pushing on this because I really think this is the difference between people that are interested in real estate and make it and that don't is this piece right here, that first six months of just striking out and sticking with it until you get that first deal. And like you said, that proof of concept. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great question. I think I know exactly the answer for me too. Uh, so I'm glad you asked it. And um, I think I accidentally kind of fell into fell into this happening. Um, really, is you can't do it by yourself. If it was just me blindly calling these lists, like I guess there's just these deals out there, and you know maybe someone will sign their most the you know their most biggest purchase over to me and trust me with that. Like I couldn't have done that by myself. Um, and so what was able to kind of keep the momentum for me is. Uh, really starting out my podcast because I'll, I'll be able to have every week a conversation with a multimillionaire who's doing this exact thing like 10 times a month or whatever it is or more. And they're like so passionate and so motivated and so disciplined and they have structure and organization and they have this whole company and it's exactly what I want to be and exactly what I want to look like. Um, and so I have these conversations and it's like a reminder of this exists. I just got to keep going. Like, It'll happen. Consist. Everyone says consistency, 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 but <clears throat> that's that's all it is. And the only reason I was able to kind of stick with it that long, I think, is because every you know so often I would have conversations with people like you where I'm just getting pumped up again, um, and then also staying connected with the as real group, just kind of changing my network to be around and absorb their energy and what they're saying. Um, I would, even if I wasn't doing anything, it was like, this is possible. And it would be a reminder that of how real it actually is. Cause it's a very real thing. Like there is a 100%, um, you know, probability of there being an opportunity out there. I just have to find it. And I know if I were to just keep going, like I, I probably, I don't know how long I could go without not doing a deal, but I think it'd be a really long time just because I, I know it's real and, up, up until the point I did a deal, I didn't have that proof of concept. So I was relying on other people that I uh, looked up to, to kind of be that proof of concept for me. And so I think that really carried me a lot through was just having those conversations that I happen to just already be doing through my podcast. I think that that's the, the nice part about social media these days where it's it's got a lot of things that'll neg negative, that'll, that'll, push you in a bad direction. But I think if you're focusing on how many people, legitimate people, the Austin Rutherfords, the Nick Perry's, the Tim Bratz, not the guys that are just posting the Lamborghinis and the girls and they're actually not doing anything, but those guys that are actually living that life and, they, and they've been through that grind, like for all those stories that you guys have heard, I think it's easier now than ever to find 5, 10, 15 people any day 
that are landing deals that you can say like this works. And it's not just something you read in like a Robert Allen or a Rich Dad book and you don't actually know anybody who's done it. And, you know, I think that that is the nice part is you can on a daily basis, like I, nobody's going to tell me real estate doesn't work. Cause I literally, like you said, with the podcast, I talk to a millionaire pretty much every single day that's doing the same exact thing. So it gets hard to listen to the people. Whereas I think, you know, when I started out and I was close to your age, it was the opposite. Most of the people were people that were stuck with the paycheck to paycheck and they were all telling you it doesn't work. And it was very hard to find somebody credible that did. So I, I love that part of it. And I think that's really great. But for people that are that are also listening, if if you're at your age, I think the beautiful part about that is you don't need to be Nick Perry today. And I think that that's one of the things that people, they see that future, but they're not patient enough. They don't really want to wait to get that. They don't realize that those guys didn't do that in a year. And even if you look at it, like you have, you have your, your pilot job. If you only got a deal done a year, like, let's say you picked up a creative deal or a rental and you did that once a year for 10 years, you're like, you're thinking, oh, I suck. I only did a deal a year. You wait 10 years after that last deal. Now we're talking like 20 years from your first deal and you're going to retire as a pilot. You're probably going to have at least a hundred grand of equity in each of those properties and literally would be a millionaire from just those one basic single family base hit deals that everybody else was either overthinking or underthinking. So that's what I love about the power of real estate is don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just those small things add up huge over time, especially right now. Like even if the market dips in 10 years and then comes back, like cyclically markets come back stronger than ever. So I think what you're doing is awesome. But the so the proof of concept there for wholesale, for people who don't understand what that is, explain to them really what wholesaling is. Because I do get this a lot from new investors of like, how do I get started? What's the, I don't have any money, but I do have time you're willing to put the time in. Whereas I feel like a lot of people go, well, how do I get started? What do you have? Well, I don't have any money. Okay, no problem. You're willing to put time in? No, I don't really want to do that either. It's like, you don't want to put time or energy into this? Probably not going to be for you. So I'd love to hear a little bit about like your description for people listening about what wholesaling actually is. Yeah. I mean, wholesaling was this revolutionary concept for me because at first, I don't know. I think people, I mean, not people that are actually doing it. I don't ever hear this, but there's kind of this like, in the chatter in the corner of like, is this ethical or what is this? Or are you taking advantage of people? And that's not it at all. But basically what, what the concept of wholesaling is, is you find a property that's distressed or there's some pain associated with it, usually, not always. Uh, you get it under contract at a discount. You assign that contract. So when you get it under contract, you now have what's called an equitable interest to buy that property, meaning they can't go and sell it out to someone else based on the terms of whatever your contract says. Um, and so you have, you now own this like interest to buy a property and you don't have to buy the property. If it doesn't say you're not able to assign it, what you're able to do is sign it, uh, assign it. It's just by default, you're allowed to. So what, where the wholesaling comes in is you find an investor who does have the funds to buy it, or you know it's a better opportunity for them. Maybe you do have the funds. It's just not you don't want to take on the project right now. But you find someone who wants to buy it, and you assign it to them for a little bit higher price, or maybe a, a lot higher price. So you get it under contract at a hundred thousand, and it's a, still a really good deal at one hundred and fifty thousand. And so now you assign this contract to a buyer, and you take that fifty thousand dollars, and you're not just taking advantage of someone who you know, wants to sell their house for the most they can get, um, you know, and it's really worth this much and you're getting it at this much and giving it to someone who would have bought it at a higher price. That's not it at all. What you're doing is you're helping someone who otherwise wouldn't have helped themselves and you're buying it for what it's worth right now and assigning it for what the potential of the property is, which is not at all taking advantage of someone. You're providing so much value by doing that because you're, for one, you're finding a distressed property, right? In most cases where it's not, not, it doesn't look good on the street, whatever it is. And you're improving that neighborhood. One, the person who owns it, either they don't live there, it's sitting there, it's costing them money. They don't know what to do. They put it, they got other things to worry about. You're an investor. You come in with cash, you close quickly. You don't have to deal with inspections or getting pictures taken of it. You're right. You're, you're coming in with a skill set and a solution to help them you're getting it under contract and finding the right person to fix their problem. And that's the way I look at it. And really, if you're, if you approach it from that angle, you are a lot more successful talking to people because you're actually trying to help them. You're not looking to just take their property to, at a, a, a discount. So what that does, what that did for me 
is it also just teaches you the fundamentals of real estate, right? Like you don't have to go buy your first rental property and learn about, you know, taxes and interest and the principal payments and, you know, what, what happens with this and appreciation and depreciation. And, you know, you, maybe you're overwhelmed. You just start wholesaling, find a deal, like just find a deal, whatever it is, if it's, if, whatever you need to do to figure out if it's a deal or not and get it under contract. And then, you don't have to buy it. You can learn the fundamentals of real estate by valuing a property, uh, by networking with people, by finding buyers, like all the things you need to have a successful real estate business. I think you can learn just from wholesaling. Um, and you know, so that's, that's really how I, how I view it is kind of just was my first step into the real estate game and being able to learn the fundamentals. So now I can actually start and build my own real estate. Uh, I think that's awesome, man. So for people, looking for basic terms, what he was doing, what he was calling these sellers is, is what, when you hear the term acquisitions, that's really going. And what he's doing now is what's called a seller direct model, where he's taking these lists, which, which we'll talk about next. And he's reaching out to people on distress lists that are going through divorce. Maybe, you know, maybe their house is in good condition, but their finances or their health or, or something like that. Or, you know, so when you hear like distress, sometimes it's the house, sometimes it's the situation, but there's some sort of motivation there. But, you know, like you said, four months of calling through. And I think that that's an important piece there because people are unrealistic about what their situation is. They always think Superman's going to come save them. So you might have called that same person every week for four months. And then four months later, that person pops back up on your dialer or calls you back and says, you know what? Like we got a deal. The foreclosure auction notice just came or my last medical bill just came and doubled or whatever it is. There's things in there. But I think that that piece of it, when you look at you've just solved the problem for the acquisitions person. So you're not taking advantage of them. And then you look at somebody like take me, for instance. So why would you do that? So for me, if I'm somebody that's looking to buy properties, I don't really want to spend the next four months calling a distressed sellers list. You are willing to do that. That's huge for me. So when people go, well, Nick knows how to do it. Why would he just do it himself? Why does he need Brennan? That's exactly why. And that's why wholesalers, they're helping end buyers get their time back by putting in those direct mailers or those phone call hours or those driving for dollars or knocking on doors or whatever it is. That's huge. You know, if I if I if you can find me five deals a month or I can find five of you that are willing to put that time in and you look at what that gets me back as a business owner, like the the Nick Perry's and all those guys, that's what they do. They buy it off of wholesalers like you, like me, same type of thing. So I think that there's huge value there. And then I think the the point you made about people, it is a weird thing. Everybody thinks the other person is the unethical one. So, oh, you know, investors think realtors are all oh, that. They're the worst. And brokers are going, well, wholesalers and then flippers, you know, so everybody's kind of got their thing. But if you look at the basic principles of any economics, like what is Costco doing? What are any of these places doing? They're going and they're getting things at a discount and then they're selling it to you at a discount. So you could go to the movie theater and buy that drink for $18 or you could go to wholesale and buy something, uh, go to go to a Costco and get something that they have that they got really, really cheap. And they're selling it to you as a discount because they got it at a discount. So you're not paying market value. It's the same exact thing with the house. You went and you negotiated this deep, deep discount. So you could fix it up and put it on the market and they could buy it at asking price. Or you can say, hey, look, you know, I'm still giving this to you at a discount with some equity in it, with some cash flow. And I put the time and the work in. So it really does work out for everybody. And now the, the mentality side of that too, how much more confident were you in making those calls, knowing that you had that investor on the end that was saying, if you get a deal off of this, I'm going to buy it from you? Because when I first heard from a lender, yes, I will lend you money if you get a deal that fits this parameter, my confidence on the phone, knowing that I was going to close that deal, I feel like 100% changed my energy. It is why I started getting yeses instead of noes. Yeah, that, that's that's another huge part of it is if you can get connected with someone who's legit and has well closed deals, you can kind of take away that imposter syndrome where, you know, you're just some yahoo who heard about real estate and you're calling people and maybe the person on the other end of the phone most of the time knows more about real estate because they actually own a house. That gives you, it's a game changer. If you can have someone who actually can back you up as far as like closing a deal and actually doing what you're going to say. Cause if you don't have someone like that, yeah, there's a lot of buyers out there, but there's just in the back of your mind of can I actually close this deal? You know, you don't, you don't want to have that lingering in the back of your mind. Cause that's going to come through when you're talking to them and when you're negotiating price and what you can actually do and what you can't do. So that that's, 
that's huge. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. So what kind of list are you pulling now? What type of marketing are you doing for deals? What, what, what's, uh, what are some of the parameters of what you're pulling and what you're doing? Yeah, so the the lists I'm pulling uh, right now are um, just the, the basic absentee owner owned it for more than ten years and uh, vacant. So if I can get a, a nice, you know, few thousand uh, uh, address list of that, skip trace it, that'll you know that'll give me about a month or so even of just calling. I'll go, go through it a couple times. Um, so there's that. And then I also like to go with the high equity list because I'm trying to buy some subject to properties, some no money down. There's a lot of opportunities that you can come by when you're looking for wholesale deals of finding, turning into a, a creative deal. So that's kind of my, my uh, primary goal right now as I'm like kind of trying to transition from being just a wholesaler. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for some of those and then just property vacant lists as well. That's awesome. And now, what type of budgets are you spending on a monthly basis for your list and your skip tracing and all that kind of stuff? And are you, you're the one making the calls or do you have calls underneath you? Well, I both. So uh, I started out just doing it all myself. And then uh, these, this last, I'd say three months now, I hired a, a VA with start virtually, which is a, like, you know, a virtual assistant company that focuses on real estate. Uh, I found it through just watching uh, real estate podcasts. I have uh, one guy in Arizona that I follow, Pace Morby. I think he's actually a partial owner. Um, the, the first couple of weeks of that were going great. I was getting like three leads a day and I was kind of transitioning into just following up on leads, which was like the ideal picture where I could just talk to qualified sellers already. Um, but I think it had to have been kind of right when I started the, the, the virtual assistant within the you know, after like a couple of weeks, the phone carriers start marking your callers as spam because they use an internet dialer. And so that's been a huge setback for me. And one of those things where I have to kind of realign my focus and just remember this is like a long-term game. Not one thing is going to take me off because I really kind of just stopped getting leads because all my calls were getting marked as spam. I tried everything, buying new numbers, um, you know, switching different uh, caller dialer companies, um, filing my numbers with the business. And it just kind of has been a, a constant battle. It's, something will work and then it won't work. Um, so I've kind of went back more recently within the last few weeks of just doing it all myself, kind of going to what I know works is just me getting down with my phone and dialing thousands of numbers and finding deals that way. Uh, because I'm, I'm not afraid of doing that dirty work. You know, I'm, I know I'm inexperienced and don't have a lot under my belt or not a lot of time um, in this game. So for me, it's like, it's fun. Even you just, it's kind of like pulling the lottery machine. It's like, keep pulling it, keep pulling it. And then maybe eventually you just find a home run deal. And um, so I, I kind of find it fun uh, doing that. And then also driving for dollars. I, I've been doing that a lot more now. And I, I got close to getting my first driving for dollars deal like a couple of weeks ago as a fourplex, but that's kind of sidetracking. <laughs> awesome. And yeah, we definitely want to talk about the fourplex. Um, a couple of questions on what you just said though. What's your, what's your basic script looking like? Just the essentials of it. Cause I know you said, are, are you looking, are you, are you giving it like a wholesale talk? And then if they're shooting that down, now you're offering creative financing or you're pushing for a creative financing first and then offer them a lower offer. Like what do your basic conversations look like? Um, yeah. So the, the first couple like exchanges kind of, determine whether I, where I go with it. Um, for example, if I, if I find someone that's just like, well, what's your offer? What are you going to give me? And really focusing on the price. I, it kind of cues that, okay, 
if I give this guy an offer that's like 60 cents in the dollar, he's just going to hang up on me. And so I don't take it the, the standard script and I'll kind of angle it initially towards creative finance a little more. Um, I mean, I'll still make them an offer cash, but I'll like kind of have a second part to it. Like, or we could do this, but the, the general script I use is something to the effect of, um, Hey, my name's Brennan Weersma. I was calling about a, or no, I was looking for so-and-so cause I'll have the name that's with the list. It'll pull their name as well. And they'll say, yeah, this is me or who's calling or whatever. And I'll say, Hey, my name is Brennan Weersma. I'm an investor in the area. Uh, right now we're actually, uh, I wanted to reach out about a property. I believe you own, uh, 123 main street. And then I'll, I'll, I'll wait for them to talk. Cause a lot of times if you talk too much, I feel like they just kind of are getting ready to hang up <laughs> there. And so I like to kind of leave room for them to talk because it'll, uh, create room for conversation if they say something and so that they'll say okay yeah what are you calling about them and I'll, the next thing i'll usually say is well i'm an investor in the area and right now we're buying property that a lot like yours and so i just wanted to reach out and see if you've ever considered uh selling if you might be interested in an offer and then you know from there you know you know where it goes they'll either say no usually that's the case or they'll say well what do you give me or oh yeah and then go on and tell you and then uh from there i'll kind of figure out what to offer them because i'll get an idea of the condition like what am i working with is it a distress owner that type of thing and um, i usually try to get them to tell me what they're looking for so i'll transition to oh well you know typically what we do is we buy properties all cash we close quickly and we take care of closing costs no realtors none of that stuff um you know if if you, you were to sell what, what what would you be looking for with an offer like that and um you know, then that kind of gives me an idea of where they're at mentally, because a lot of times people will just throw out a number and, you know, it'll be way below what the property is actually worth. And so those ones can be kind of the, the big deals. I, I had that before where they they told me the um, they, they told me what they were wanting to sell it for. And it was like it was like a 60 grand deal. Like if it, I was really close to closing it. Unfortunately, I don't know whoever that was, but Ben's buys houses got it because <laughs> they, they stopped answering my calls. Um, and he, he locked it up or I think it was them for like 50 K more than what they had told me. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was a deal. That's what I'm saying. Like pulling the lottery machine. That's kind of how I think about it. Um, but I'll try to get them to say the first number. And then from there, I'll kind of go and take it wherever. Awesome, man. And then you also touched on the driving for dollars. So I'd like to hear a little bit about what you do with that and then hear about the fourplex you were talking about. Yeah. So the, the driving for dollars is a newer thing for me because I've mostly been in Indiana doing virtually, uh, which, you know, I live in Arizona, so that's kind of far away. But um, more recently, as I'm trying starting to think about buying properties for myself, buying, buying these uh, no money down deals like subject to or deals like that, uh, I've been doing some driving for dollars, which I find a little more fun because I can see it and I can, you know, have like a, a little closer of a relationship to the property. I don't know. It's just, it's there and it feels a little more real. Uh, but yeah, I, I live in um, Prescott, Arizona. I don't know if I should say that on the internet, whatever. I live in Prescott and it's a, it's a appreciating market. It's a lot of people are moving here. A lot of people from California. So property values are going way up. Um, and so right downtown, especially there's a lot of uh, good, driving for dollar properties like you'll, you'll, you'll just see a really distressed property right next to this like super cool um you know like old property that's like historic now and it's you know worth so much and so you find these like really distressed properties in this downtown area um and so i've been having a lot of fun just writing down the addresses um getting like 200 addresses is kind of my goal for each list that i call and then uh skip tracing it and so far I've got one that's been close, which is that fourplex. Um, just someone called me back. I, I actually left him a voicemail. Usually I don't do that, but it was the ugliest house on the, on the street. And it was seemed like a good one. So I just figured I'd spend the extra 30 seconds to leave a voicemail. And um, they called me back and said they would, um, they were looking to sell it. There's older folks that didn't want to manage it anymore. Um, so we, we kind of gotten the, an idea of what the price was. They'd been offered like really low like a year ago and the market went way up. Uh, I think they were wanting like 250 or they, someone offered 250. And um, so I, we kind of just offered or me and my partner who was, um, I was going to do this deal with, 
we decided, okay, we'll just throw out like 340. And they're like, um, no, we didn't say, we asked her if she would be in the ballpark of 340. And then we went and looked at the property and then I called her back and said, well, we could buy it at 280. And she said, how about you meet me at 310? And there's a lot of room on that spread. There's a lot of meat on that bone. So she, she agreed at 310. And I think after repair value for this thing was like, it, it's kind of weird because if you were to convert it to a single family, it probably would have been worth like 750. But as a, a fourplex, keeping it as a fourplex, it maybe wouldn't have been quite as high just because of the way they did it was weird with the construction. Uh, but still, I mean, at the very least, you were probably looking at like mid 500s or something like that. So there was a lot of meat on the bone. And um, let's see. So we had someone go look at it, decided it was a deal. We sent them a, a contract and I guess we sent it too quick or something, but they got spooked because we were moving quick and they were the ones that wanted to move Ooh. quick. They, they put a timeline like, yeah, to do it by the end of December. And it's a big project. So you got to give us some time here. We, we need to get this thing under contract. Um, and uh, for some reason, they, they was moving too quick for them. And so they decided to conduct their own Zillow review. Oh. And, <laughs> you never want to hear that. And uh, they immediately went up on price. Um, they they were at 310 they went up to 375 and we weren't able to find a buyer that would be that would be able to do that because it was kind of weird we were going to keep some of the tenants in there but it was in also a bad condition and so they would have had to hold on to it and it just the numbers didn't work at 375 um so we kind of lost the deal but that was like a huge it was kind of um, an epiphany for me of like how you have to think about money because i'm uh, you know, a nine to five W2 employee making 20 bucks an hour. And that's what I've known for the, my entire working experience is working with like, okay, 30 minutes of time equals this much money where now it's like, you know, 10 minutes of time. And I just lost 50, $50,000 potentially, but it's a shift in mindset of how you have to be able to think about numbers. And it also makes you want to do the W2 stuff a lot less. <laughs> Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He's played all over the world and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833 Zero five eight five for your free online drum lesson. Yeah, there's um, there's that trade, man. You know, I I've had to have this conversation with my partner a lot because you start counting that, it's really funny. Like you're like, oh, I'll never get a deal, I'll never get a deal, and then you get one on the hook, and you start counting that money, and then when it falls through, it's things even worse than not getting a deal because you 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 feel like emotionally you feel like that was yours. Now you feel like you lost that money, and yeah. I've had that happen with like literally deals that I was supposed to be getting a wire. I think like one of the ones we did last year. I was literally expecting to get like a $970,000 fee and it fell apart. And I remember being like, dude, I just lost. She's like, you didn't lose anything. She's like, that was never right. a deal. And I was like, so I, I always have to look at it like that. Like what I think it is, it was never really mine. Like, because it, they never really agreed to like all those things happen and it fell through. So it really wasn't that deal. It would have been nice, but it's, it's hard. You know, those days, man. They suck, you know, so it, it's it's tough to deal with. But I love that you went through that. And I like that you did talk about that because there is going to be a point for people that get involved that at some point when you're sitting at your nine to five, you're going, this isn't worth my time. Like I'm losing out on opportunities to make a lot more money by making calls, doing these different things. And it's, it's, it's a good spot to be. So 
how much I know you talked about your podcast there. I definitely want to touch on that before we kind of let you go for the day. I know you got a lot going on, but so what made you decide to start the podcast? What are some of the biggest epiphanies or, or surprises or, you know, things that help shape your mindset and your business? Like what are some of the benefits that you're getting for you from doing that podcast? Cause these help me a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been the, the biggest thing for me. It started at all. It's been able to help me in so many different ways, but um, the first thing would be definitely building relationships. Just the people that I get to stay in touch with, this just blows my mind. It's like, you, I'm, I'm reaching out to the people that I aspire to be like. And so I get to have conversations with those people. And it's just such a higher level of conversation and relationship. I, and that has been incredible. Um, and I've, it also introduced me to real estate because I didn't know the opportunities that were out there unless I were to talk to these people that were doing it. And then I saw that. So that, that was another big one is like the opportunities that are out there and that I can do it. There, there's so many people that are you know, not you know genius IQ level or uh, come from like big wealthy families, like completely regular. And I say regular is just like not coming from all these crazy um, circumstances that are really successful, the people that just worked hard. And it's like, okay, I can work hard. And so that's been a huge uh, mind shift change for me was just being able to talk to these people. Um, and then also in the, in the, the long term, kind of where I see it is these are all really wealthy people. Maybe I can collaborate on deals. Maybe I can raise money. Like talk about raising private money. These are all relationships that are great for that. If, if you can find a deal and have people that want to invest in it, that's another avenue. I haven't actually done anything with that, but that's another avenue I see it going. Um, just like I said, keeping me motivated, talking with people like you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, it just keeps giving back. And I, I, at the very beginning, I was a little bit focused on the subscribers. I have like no subscribers, but that doesn't matter to me at all. I've gotten so much more back from it, just from the, what I've experienced so far. I love that too, man. And I agree with you, you know, you getting caught up in those numbers. It's, it really is one of those things that it's, it's interesting because I'll see people or I'll talk to people or I'll meet people that I've never seen comments or like, or, or anything like connected to my podcast at all. And then they'll bring something up from like episodes. And I'm like, I have no idea, you know, and then that turns into somebody that's selling you a deal, buying a deal or giving money. And those turn into sometimes six figure paydays. So it's, it's, you know, as far as like monetizing the podcast, making relationships for buyers, sellers, and lenders by far, who cares? Like, even if there's no subscribers, but somebody does that deal for you, that pays off all day long. I think it's an amazing thing. So for you, what, what's your, your, your prep? Like, are you like setting up questions? Do you do research or do you just get a con on and wing it and just see what they want to talk about and just take the conversations as they go? Well, what's, what's your prep like pre and post for the pro, for the podcast? Cause you know, some of the stuff people don't realize it could take a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's um, you can spend as much time as you want to on the podcast, which I've kind of shortened it down to exactly what works for me. But I mean, you can get into all with like editing and all that. You can spend a lot of time doing it. Um, I, I used to come up with like a script that I would have or like a 20 questions that I would send to the person beforehand. And it was like on a nice piece of paper where it said, get well podcast and had this introduction. Um, and I did that for the first probably like 10 or 15 podcasts. Now what it looks like is all I feel kind of selfish doing this, but it's, it's what works is I'll find people that I want to talk to that I like what they're doing and I'll just reach out to them. And so I'll have to reach out to like 10 people and then maybe two of them will say they're interested or get back to me. Um, and so I'll find people that I want to learn from and then I'll just start out by asking them questions that I want to know about. Like I, I'm trying to learn by the pot through the podcast. That's the whole point of this for me to learn from people and build relationships. And so I'll just ask them what I want to know. And usually what that does is just leads to a bunch of other conversations and topics that um, weren't planned, but that's really how it goes. It's just me asking questions, being curious, and then uh, them kind of leading the show because you know people that are doing things at a high level have no shortage of things to say about what they're doing because they're passionate and they have all these things they're working on. So it, it works out pretty good that way. That's awesome. What kind of avenues are you using to get guests? So the, the biggest... Um, I guess recruiting I've done is with uh, Instagram. I'm just sh shooting people DMs. Um, and then usually if they're active on Instagram, they'll get back to me. Uh, I had 
the, the kind of a, a funny one I had on was uh, David Meltzer, how that worked out was I originally reached out to him via his email and his, his manager was like, uh, sorry, we want the account to have more subscribers to do an interview. Like it's not worth the time, which I completely understand. I, if I was David Meltzer worth 120 million, I wouldn't come on my podcast either. But um, uh, they, they did offer me to go on his live on Instagram. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So it was like a five minute live. And so uh, we, we scheduled it out because he does them every day, but we scheduled it out a few months later. So I went on his live and we, we just, I think I asked him a couple of questions or whatever. We, we just had a conversation. And then at the end of that, I asked him if he would come on my podcast. Cause I don't even think he had ever even seen my name. And so then at that point, once I was on his Instagram, he agreed to come on and do like a 20 minute podcast. And so that's, that's how I, that was one of the more creative ways I was able to get a guest. It's it's cool. It's interesting because you some of the people that you would think run their social media don't, and some of the people that you think do. So it's it's interesting how that does work out. But uh, you know, there's something to be said, just like the deals, man. Just like everything, I remember everybody that I asked to do the podcast, I would automatically assume they were going to say no, be like, why would I come on, and then start to go into the metrics of like, why is this worth my time and you know, now I'm, I'm surprised when people say no, just because so many people that I never expected to would say yes, just like with the real estate. I think the first guy that I really was like scared to ask to come on was Mark Evans. Cause you know, he's super, that guy's such a straight shooter. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh man. And he was like, what's your podcast? And started hitting me with these questions and it was in person. And I was like, oh, oh. And like, as I'm answering, I'm like a stupid name for a podcast, stupid answer. I'm like, blowing this whole thing. And he was like, dude, yeah, like, here's my number. I'll come on your podcast. And I was like, holy shit. Like that was, that was cool. And you know, then you, you know, I started getting into the point of like, I don't want to blow it. So I, I have these questions, but more and more, you just start to see like people are cool. People do want to help. People are willing to come on, especially somebody like you, man. They see you're young, you're hungry, you're out there, you're doing stuff. Like it's fun to see how willing successful people are to share in their journey and stuff like that. And like, it's very rare that I get somebody that ever asks me about like downloads or revenue or streams or any of that stuff, which I thought was going to be like the thing. Like I got to get these up or people were didn't matter at all. And especially like you said, man, when you have those people on and they see that like a Tim Bratz or like an Austin or, or Nick Perry or these guys came on and they trusted you and, you know, nothing bad happened. Like you're not going to make them look crappy. You know, that's why I tell everybody like, hey, if you come on, you want to talk about anything like I'm not here to make anybody look bad or ask you anything weird or, you know, like I'm not I'm not uh, what do they call? I'm not like paparazzi. <laughs> so like I'll just I'll just cut it out. You know, nobody really cares. It's been awesome, man. So um yeah man so talk a little bit about like how do people find the podcast how do people work with you how can our audience help you your social media all that kind of stuff man i know for people who are, are going to follow you i'll have your stuff in the show notes but your fitness stuff your travel stuff your your interviews like you got a great social media man you bring so many different things to the table as far as business and lifestyle and i think it's a really great account i think you offer a lot for different people awesome thanks yeah i mean mostly i post on instagram i do have uh, a Facebook, but that's just mostly so my family can tag me in photos. But uh, my Instagram is Brennan underscore Weersma. And uh, the podcast is the Get Wealth Podcast on YouTube. It's also on the audio versions on Spotify and Anchor and, um, you know, all the all the ones that are on uh, the audio. I, I mostly post the Oh, I, I post them everywhere, but you can find it on YouTube. That's where most people watch it. Uh, Spotify as well. If you just want to listen to it, the Get Wealth podcast, uh, you can email me at wearsmacapital at gmail.com. Um, also, if you want to text me 360-722-9110, um, feel free to shoot me a text. If you have questions or if you have a deal you want to work on together, I'm more than happy to look at it and figure out what's best. Maybe we don't work on it. Maybe I give you advice. Maybe we, um, I buy it. Who knows? Um, so anything you want to reach out to me about, feel free to do that. Um, let's see, social media, phone number, YouTube. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's about it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You have any, uh, any final thoughts or advice for people that are in your shoes, maybe six, 12, 18 months prior, just starting out, trying to get that first deal grinding away. What would your advice be to them? Uh, my, my advice to someone just starting out would be to just keep doing the next thing, whatever it is. Like, Go knock on mansion doors if you need to. That's what I did. Or read, keep reading a book, whether it's, you know, calling people or just finding one thing to do, whatever it is. Maybe it's going up to a random stranger and asking them what, 
where they're investing their money or whatever it is. Just keep doing the next thing and the opportunity will come. If you're if you're looking for it and you're thinking about it all the time, it'll just come. Um, and then just keep doing it over and over and over again. And um, yeah, and just be consistent with it. And really everything else, the information you need will come. It'll all come. Well, I think you're awesome, man. You definitely bring your A game. You fit the profile for this podcast. I think what you're doing on the real estate side, on the podcast side, on all of it, man, I think it's awesome. I think it's inspiring. And I think you're going to be one of those guys in the very short future that other people are looking up to and begging to have them come on your podcast and vice versa, man. So I think people should watch you because I think you're going to be super successful and you're going to be a huge name in the real estate business. And I very much appreciate you coming on. Don't forget the don't forget the A-Game podcast when you're a, a big guru out there, man. We'll have you back on. But I appreciate it, man. You're awesome. Thank you for sharing. Brendan Wars, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Thank you, man. Great. Appreciate it.